0: Hey there, in this episode, I'm going to talk about some relatively simple ways to make your business more accessible and inclusive. Yes, most of it will be tech related because that's why we're all here, but I am going to throw in a few non techy tidbits as well towards the end. But before we dive in, welcome to BSing with Brandy, where my mission is to help you figure shit out and get shit done. I'm your host, Brandy Good, and today I'm grateful and loving cheesies, soft blankets, and of course, Star Wars. So, first off, why make your business more accessible and inclusive? There are two main reasons. Number one, be a decent fucking human being. Number two, make more money so you can live the life you deserve sounds pretty simple, right? But before we get into all of the things, I want to make something really clear. I'm not here to browbeat or insist that you do all of the things that I'm about to talk about or tell you you're a bad person if you don't do all of these things. I don't even do all of these things yet, and some of the ones that I do, I'm probably not as consistent or as good at them as I would like to be. But the key here is to at least start or become aware that maybe these are some things that I should do. Pick one small thing, build one tactic into your everyday operations or marketing. And then once it becomes second nature, you add a second thing in there and repeat. So let's start off with the most obvious one these days, which is remote working. If you have a position and you require your employee or contractor to physically be in your location right there, you're making that role inaccessible to people who are not just outside a convenient travel radius, but you are excluding uh, people who don't have access to a vehicle or to reliable public transport, people who can't afford a vehicle or public transport, who have some sort of medical condition that prevents them from driving, who have mobility issues that prevent them from navigating or being safe in your workplace, even if they can get there, maybe they can't be in your space. So I think COVID has taught the business community that so much more can be done remotely than they ever thought. It's way more normalized now. So take advantage of that because that perfect person could be in another country for all you know. Now let's talk about more techie, more techie parts um, of remote working. The big one that people struggle with is communication because you can't just step over to someone's desk or into their office and ask a quick question. So you have to set up your communication for ease. Plus you yourself have to set a good example when using it. That's the key there. Uh, So it might be messaging like through a platform like Slack uh, or WhatsApp or the tool you use to manage projects, Uh, email, you could use audio calls, you could use video meetings. Uh, You can, you know, pick just one of those things and stick with it or you can use all of them. Generally, you're probably going to use more than one because different communication channels have different strengths and weaknesses, and you tend to use different ones in different situations. And just a quick heads up, you can do all of those things with one tool if you have Google Workspace. So like you have email with Gmail, uh, Google has a chat app, and Google Meet can do video or audio calls. And speaking of Google Workspace, You'll also need tools to collaborate with your remote workers. So you will you might need something like shared documents or a shared folder space, uh, maybe shared calendar, things like that. I talk about Google Workspace, um, aka G Suite, a lot. So I'm not going to go into any more details about that. Just check it out <laughs> if that sounds like something you need. So the next thing I want to talk about is closed captioning. So why lose a potential client just because they have hearing or auditory processing difficulties? Just slap the captions up on that video. And you know what? There are lots of people like me who don't have hearing issues, at least not yet, (laughs) but who still prefer captions. So most of the time I don't want to turn my sound on. So all of those Facebook lives or Instagram stories that you're doing with no captions, you've lost me. I'm scrolling past, I'm swiping past. Um, People might be browsing the internet or looking at their social media feeds in public. They don't want to turn the sound on in case it's too loud. They don't want to disturb other people. They don't have headphones handy. So I found that as soon as I started putting captions on my Facebook videos, the video views went up and the length of time people were watching my videos also went up. It was an instantly noticeable bump in my stats. So how to do closed captions without hiring an expensive captioning service? Because I think in the past, a lot of people avoided captioning because the idea was that it was expensive. And that is just not true these days. So social media, Uh, Facebook and YouTube have auto-generated captions that you can turn on. Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn allow you to upload caption files if you have them. There are apps out there where you can import your video and it will generate the caption file for you so that you can then upload it to someplace like LinkedIn. Those services, uh, two of my favorites, uh, Searchy and Descript. Um, I love them because the captioning piece isn't the only thing they do. They do a whole bunch of, of other awesome things as well. You can even download the caption file that YouTube automatically generates and then upload that to another platform. So you can even generate those caption files for free with YouTube. If you need those captions added directly to the video file because not all places will allow you to upload a caption file. Uh, There are apps for that too. Um, a A really good one that is easy to use and free is CapWing. So it will kind of, I say bake the captions into the video. There are even recording apps out there that have captioning built in so you can record your video and have the captions generate all in one place. These are generally targeted to people uh, on Instagram who are using stories or IGTV and TikTok users. So if you need to do square or vertical video, sorry, if you need to do square or horizontal video, um, most of these apps won't be for you. Most of them are wanting to do vertical video. If you need 99% accuracy for your captions, you may need to pay for a service like Rev to have human transcription and caption generation. But I will be honest, um, the AI or auto-generated captions and transcriptions these days are super, super accurate. And so having a human transcribe for that 99% accuracy is usually only necessary if you have a business that has really difficult, unusual, or technical terms. So the AI transcription, like what you would see in social media or in those free or low price apps, they may struggle with those words if they are not very common. Another lesser known tip for your social media content If the platform allows you to add titles to your videos or alt tags to your images, please fill them out because this allows people with screen readers to get more out of your content. Um, So, for example, somebody who is using a screen reader on Instagram, it will read off the captions, but unless you are able to add some sort of alt tag. And just a hint, Instagram does not have this, but LinkedIn does. Um, If they're just reading the captions or the description, they have no idea what the actual picture is. But if they're looking at it on LinkedIn and you've added alt tags to describe what that image is, they're gonna get a much more complete picture of your content, right? No pun intended. So let's jump over to your website now. So there are quite a few things you can do. And in case you didn't know, many of the accessibility things you can do to your website are also going to improve your SEO because Google wants to reward pages and recommend pages that make it easy for everyone to browse your website. If it's full of Uh, things that make it difficult for people to browse or read or see or hear, your ranking is going to be lower. It's not just about keywords people, (laughs) it's about everything. So here are a few examples. So optimizing your images so they are not so big and will load faster. So this is gonna benefit people who don't have access to a decent or stable internet connection and there are lots of free tools out there like Website Planet or Compressor that can do that for you. And of course, I'll link every all the tools I mentioned, I'm gonna link to in the description of this episode. So you can head there to get these links and try them out. Now back to alt tags. So alt tags for your images and titles for your links. Pretty much every website platform these days will allow you to add these fairly easily. So take advantage of them. Again, they help out people with screen readers. If someone is on a bad internet connection and images won't load, at least the alt tag will tell them what the image was supposed to be. And link titles, especially on links hidden behind generic anchor text, uh, the things that are like click here or read more, having that link title is gonna give some assurance to people who about where the link is going to take them. Then we've got text to voice. So you can install or embed software on your website that will actually read your website to people when they land on it. This means that someone with visual or visual processing issues can listen to or follow along with your website if they don't have or are not using their own screen recording, sorry, screen reading software. And then the last website bit I wanna talk about is enlarging the text. So you've probably been on websites where there's a little option in the corner where you can enlarge the text. This is preferable to someone just zooming in on their browser because just zooming in on your browser often negatively impacts the experience of your website. Uh, Things get cut off. You have to scroll weirdly. Things might overlap and text might get hidden. So I wanted to toss this one in there in case this might be important to someone. This isn't as simple as the other ones. This has to be part of the code of your website. So if this is something you need and you are considering a website redesign, then just include this in that work. If you have to, if you already have your website totally complete and you want to add this in, um, it's totally doable, but it's almost like just recreating your website again from scratch and having that enlarge option in there. So that's it for website. Let's look at content in general. Now I know I already talked about captions for video content. So this is kind of more general than captions. And this could apply to social media, your website, your digital products, et cetera, et cetera. So create your content in as many formats as you can. Not only does this allow you to get your content in front of people with hearing or visual or cognitive difficulties, it also allows you to reach people who simply have a preference for a particular format. So think about the content that you are typically creating right now. If you're mostly on social media, especially something like Instagram or TikTok, you're probably creating mostly image slash graphical content. Maybe your content is mostly text via a blog, or maybe you're doing audio content for a podcast. If you've got online courses, or you spend most of your time in your Instagram stories, or on YouTube, you're probably making a lot of video content. Now, most of us specialize in one format, especially when we're starting out, Um, And that format tends to be the one that we're the most comfortable with. Now, that's great because you pick the one you're most comfortable with and you're more likely to make more content, but you could be missing out on some awesome people. So let me give you a real example of what I experienced. So for the first few years of my business, 90% of my content was text. Sure, I would, you know, make social media graphics with little tips on them here and there. But mainly I blogged because writing is my forte. Then um, as my blog and my business kind of picked up steam, I started having people, you know, they would reach out and ask a question about something. I'd be like, Oh, I have a whole blog post about that. Here's the link. And then weeks later, They'd be asking me the same questions, and I would be like, Okay, here's that link again. Just thinking, Oh, they must have lost it or forgot that they already asked. So this would happen over and over again. Finally, <laughs> someone who knew me really well and were comfortable just like telling me what was going on. So they were like, Look, I know you're sending me these links, but I'm not a reader, I don't really like to read. I click on the link and your blog post is overwhelming. I just want a video where you're showing me what to do. So that, you know, sounds pretty reasonable, but it was a big light bulb moment for me because most of the time for like for myself, I'm the opposite. I'd rather see the steps to something laid out in bullet points on a page. And if somebody sent me a link to a video, I might find that frustrating. And it would just be like, no, I just wanna see the five steps written out. So that really pounded home the fact that different formats work for different people. And I started working on processes for creating my content in multiple formats. It's probably easier than you think. So a few quick examples, Uh, you're recording a podcast. So pop that sucker into Searchy and download the transcript and put it on your website as a blog post. Now you have audio and text. Maybe you're, you're already writing a blog. So once it's written, you've basically got a script for a video or a podcast. So all you have to do is the recording part. Maybe you're making a video. So open it up in a video editor and export just the audio. Now you have a podcast or you have media that you can post wherever it needs to go, that might be a better option for people with a bad internet connection. So I'll confess, I didn't start doing this right away and here is why. I was really wrapped up in the idea that my ideal audience needed to be readers because I was a reader and a writer. And if they didn't like blogs, then I didn't want to work with them. But the problem was I was only thinking about people's preferences instead of their needs. So I had to stop and go, well, what about people with visual impairments or visual processing difficulties? Does that, does them having to deal with that thing make them not my ideal audience or my ideal potential client? Well, of course not. I was excluding them without realizing because I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about people's needs. And while we're talking about content, let's dive a little bit more specifically into text and really specifically into copywriting. So unconscious bias is a bitch. And I don't know if it's something you ever fix. In fact, I would, you could probably safely say it isn't something that you ever totally fix because it is unconscious, but it's something that you can continually become aware of and prove, improve, and just keep working on it basically throughout your entire life. So a tool like Grammarly isn't just for spell checking and basic grammar. It can do, it can do more than people think. It can suggest If you are using outdated or offensive or sketchy terminology, uh, it can look for gender bias in your writing. Uh, If you need, if you need even more checks, uh, look into a service called Textio. Um, It kind of, it does what Grammarly does, but on a much more intensive level. Um, Or, you know, you could hire a copywriter or a coach who specializes in inclusivity and diversity. But of course, we. I'm focusing a little bit more on tech. So that's why I'm talking about Grammarly and Textio. So that brings us kind of to the end of the techie part. Uh, a couple not really techie things that fit into this theme that I'm going to include. Because there are they're important. And I find these are things that particularly in business, people seem to not be talking about. I see, I see these topics come up again and again in personal situations, but not necessarily in business. So the first one, your brand or marketing visuals. I learned this one personally, which is the best way to make something stick in your brain. So as a youngish middle-class white lady, there was a point where you go to my website or my social media or look at my marketing materials and everyone was white in my images. Now, that was actually a conscious decision on my part. And here's what my thinking at the time was. I avoided any stock photos that prominently featured BIPOC women, because I thought I would be misrepresenting myself by having images of people that were obviously not me. Whereas if there was like a white hand on a keyboard or a phone, theoretically, that could be me. And I thought by having black and brown people on my website in my stock photos, I was, you know, somehow being not, honest or you know it just it didn't sit right with me but one day (laughs) it came up on in a conversation with a kind soul who just happened to be not a white person and she was kind enough to say this to me she said well you know she understood why I thought the way I did but the way I was thinking was wrong and so here's how she explained it to me She goes, well, you know what that actually shows her, uh, is that when I go to your website and I see all different skin tones, that makes you so much more approachable. Whereas if I go to your website and everyone's white, I'm going to stop and close the site or hit the back button because my immediate thought is, well, this girl only wants to work with other white girls and that's not me. So I'm, I'm out. So that was another light bulb moment I had and I started switching up my photography and yes, it felt weird at first, but now it's just completely normal because of course the world is not white. (laughs) So it just, yeah, it, it was just a, a short adjustment period. And then I was like, Oh Yeah. This totally makes sense. This is totally normal. It's representative of the world we're living in, right? Now, in the same vein, pronouns. I also learned this one personally. It's a little bit embarrassing. I actually learned this or kind of became aware of this years ago. It just never translated from personal into the business side of my brain. So on some other social media platform that I only use personally many years ago, um, someone was talking about why, or they were talking about how they wanted everyone to put pronouns in their social media bios. So the comments, <laughs> never read the comment section, people. Uh, the comments largely consisted of stuff like who cares and of cis people not understanding why they needed to state their pronouns because that was generally a thing that only trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming people did so I I sent a private message to the original poster and I was like look I'm the dumb cis person Uh, it's crazy at that time cis wasn't even a term that people knew or used but (laughs) I'm the dumb person please just help me understand, like, I'm happy to do it. I just want to know why. So that if somebody comes at me and says, why are you doing that? I have the real reason, you know? So what they told me is that stating your pronouns does two things. So number one, it's a signal to people that you are accepting of their communities. You know, it's just like, you go to a coffee shop or a restaurant and they have a little sign that says you know we welcome lgd LGBT, people you know it's you know it's that signal to say you are safe here uh so that's the first thing number two it normalizes the entire idea of stating your pronouns because these these days um there's this idea that if somebody states their pronouns, well, then they must be other because why else would they be stating their pronouns? But if we all did it, it's just normal. It's just something you do, right? So this has been pretty common for many years on more um, personal-based platforms, things like uh, Tumblr and TikTok. Uh, But it is starting to catch on in more mainstream. I am starting to see it quite often on LinkedIn profiles, for example, and even a little bit on Instagram, not necessarily with with business people, um, but it's starting to happen. So that wraps up today's episode of BSing with Brandy. If you enjoyed this topic, you can find more like it at bsingwithbrandy.com. That's Brandy with an I, not a Y. There you'll also find show notes and, like I said, links to any of the resources that I mentioned today. While you're there, feel free to subscribe to future episodes on the platform of your choice, and I wish you all the best getting shit done this week. Bye.